Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Rifles Only Accuracy Podcast. Thank you all for listening. I've been trying to put out more, uh, better quality and quantity, and I've told you all that the last three podcasts, and this is, we are going to do it again. We're everything center fire and rim fire, uh, anything that that has to pertain with uh, shooting accurately, long long distance or shorter distances when it comes to the 22s, it, it, we're about it. Uh, we've got a very, very special one today. I have two people with me on. Uh, first, I'm going to introduce uh, Nate Bishop from Proof Research. Say hello, Nate. Hey. Good. And also uh, Ben White as well. He's with us. How's it going? Good, good. Hey, guys. First of all, uh, thank y'all so much for taking the time to to sit on the podcast. I know that y'all are really busy. I was I was looking through your website, and it looks like y'all have a lot of stuff going on. A lot of people working there. A lot of different projects, and and uh, I'm just I'm I'm eternally grateful for you guys taking the time to to sit down and visit with us. No, not a problem at all, man. We're, well, we're happy to be a part of it. Well, good, good, good. I'm glad to hear it. Well, you know, Proof is, has uh, supported our our competition down here, you know, for a long, long time. And uh, hopefully y'all do it some more. <laughs> but uh, can you tell me a yeah, little no. bit, tell me a little bit about uh, Proof in the beginning? You know, how did it, how did it get started? How long has it been around? Yeah. Um, you know, the Proof really, it's the result of a, several different companies kind of coming together. So companies, you know, with individuals that all have kind of their own expertise. Okay. Um, so we like, we were originally, originally formed in 2012. Like, oh. so that's kind of, you know, official proof research. Right. Um, prior to that, uh, our founder and president, uh, KK Jen, uh, KK had a company called Jen's precision. Um, and what he did was basically he, you know, probably had over a decade of experience, um, just as a custom rifle builder. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, he eventually partnered with another company, um, that was doing called advanced barrel Systems. um, and advanced barrel systems. They were doing, um, they were kind of some of the original patents and, or had kind of the patented process of wrapping carbon fiber barrels. Okay. Um, and so basically we had gens precision we had um advanced barrel systems um and then we ended up acquiring a stock company as well um that had years of experience basically making um you know composite stocks and that and um then we kind of tied everything together um when we acquired uh out of so we have our office here where Ben and I are located. We're in Columbia Falls, Montana. So mm-hmm. that's basically where all of our rifles, all the barrel side of things are. Um, but then we also have an office out of Ohio, and that's our advanced composite division. So we acquired basically our advanced composite division. Um, that's kind of at least what kind of brought all the science and everything together. And by doing so, we were – it basically it was the last piece of the puzzle to basically be in control of the entire manufacturing process, you know, so our composites are our composites, like everything, you know, basically tied together, um, you know, when we had that. So what they do, you know, that's, that's their area of expertise. You know, um, we have a team of engineers that work out of that Ohio office, um, with, 
I, I don't even know how many years <laughs> of tinkering so, with carbon fiber and those materials. Yeah, there's two, two PhDs that basically run that facility. Mm-hmm. They came out of the airport doing uh, high temp composites for you know projects like the B2 stealth bomber, the F-35 uh, joint strike fighter, uh, things like that. Okay. And so initially when, when they stood up that uh, first, Precision Rifle Company, we partnered with them to take a look at our uh, barrel wrapping process uh, and kind of add a lot of engineering and science to that. Uh, and then we ramped how we wrapped our barrels. Um, and we continue to improve upon that as the years go by, but we have that, um, you know, that those that expertise is, is under root. Um, so we don't not only do things for the firearms industry, they also supply a lot of carbon fiber products for uh, aerospace and uh, the racing uh, racing industry as well, like auto racing. Uh, we'll be providing like prepregs and, and carbon fibers and resins that go into making other parts that are used in those industries as well. Wow. <laughs> wow. And <laughs> so, okay, well, um, I think that, I think what y'all are doing, you know, as far as the aerospace and race cars and stuff like that, 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 that would uh, constitute an entire podcast by itself. I'm very interested in it. Um, and <laughs> I would love to visit with y'all about that, but you said, you know, the, the changes and advancements, you use those words, uh, how has the wrap on the barrel changed over the years? Cause I mean, I've, I've been in this industry for a long time and I remember, I remember carbon barrels well before 2012, you know, way back in, mm-hmm. you know, way, a long time ago. And I, I know that they just to be blunt some of them were really good and some of them had some separation issues um you know they weren't it didn't seem like they were quite ready for prime time and then now let me fast forward to just this past weekend we're we're recording this on a monday and i just finished a, a class yesterday and a gentleman he had a he had a proof barrel on his uh, 65 creedmoor and we beat the living hell out of that gun and it just it performed <laughs> flawlessly i mean it was it was flawless it was a uh, uh, I mean, he, he was out there, I think is uh third round, third round hit at a thousand, um, you know, and of course everything in between there. Um, I mean, he went from, you know, zero to hero with that because the equipment, it, I mean, it, only thing he could blame was himself because I shot the gun and it's fine. And I will tell you, I do have personally, I've got a proof barrel sitting over there that I have not mounted yet. And it's, um, and it's in 22 Creedmoor. And I haven't mounted it yet because I'm saving it for prairie dogs. But uh, but uh, what what has changed over the years? Because, you know, they went from, you know, they were sketchy for a while in the beginning. And I don't even know if that was y'all's company or a precursor to proof. But what has changed? Because they they just seem to be really, really gaining in popularity and as well as reliability and accuracy. Yeah, uh, proof research certainly wasn't the first. Uh, we were in the game fairly early. Um, but... There's just, just like there's a lot of different ways to make a barrel, and barrel quality can vary wildly, just you know, the same way with applying carbon to a barrel. Uh, there's lots of different ways to do it, and not all of them are you know, necessarily very good. Um, so mainly, I think, I think it started out as a, as a more of a weight savings um, uh, kind of endeavor. So they, you know, the, the process was to remove as much of, the, of the, the barrel metal as possible and then you know, build it back up with carbon fiber. Mm-hmm. Um, the easiest way to do that is just to take a carbon fiber fabric, um, you know, that just where the, all the fibers are kind of woven together. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the, the kind of composite you see on like uh, car parts, like auto body panels and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it just, you can buy it in a sheet and you wet it out and roll it up on the barrel. And that provides a little bit of strength to the barrel, maybe a little bit of stiffness, but it's just, it's really not that composite 
doesn't work very well with the barrel. Um, you know, the barrel heats up and expands and tries to move around and you fire it, and that composite's going to want to move at a different, you know, expand at a different rate. Um, and if things are not moving as a unit and and working together, then it, it might you might cause yourself more problems when you solve that way. Okay. Um, so the, the process that Bruce does is, is fundamentally different now. We, we do what's called filament winding, mm-hmm. um, where we have a, looks like a yarn that's made out of thousands and thousands of individual pieces of carbon fiber. Mm-hmm. Um, that yarn gets wetted out with a, with a resin. We can talk more about that too. It's a very uh, you know, uh, special proprietary resin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that wet yarn gets um, wound around the barrel. So the barrel spins and we move that yarn back and forth and, and wind the uh, the carbon fiber on the barrel and when we do so as we wind it on it actually uh, makes like a helical pattern so it almost looks like a chinese finger trap when you get it all wound on mm-hmm. and then we build up you know a, a dozen or more layers uh distinct layers that uh that are all interwoven as as we continue to wrap the barrel um the fiber on the barrel and there's some cool things we can do with this filament wound process we can uh you know, one, we can select the, the fiber and the, and the resin that's appropriate for the application. And two, as uh, as we wind each layer on, we can change the angle that the fibers lay on the barrel. So they can be more across the bore or they can be more kind of along the bore. Mm-hmm. Um, and because carbon fiber, you can think of it kind of like a rope. It's, you know, stiff in one direction, weak in another. And likewise, it has different thermal properties along the strands of carbon versus across them. By varying those angles, we can actually affect the um, the properties and the and the behavior we want out of the uh, the carbon fiber. You know, when it's all put on the barrel. So that's it's kind of uh, kind of from a high level. But one example where we take advantage of that is that we engineer the coefficient of thermal expansion, the rate at which the carbon expands and heats up, to be the same as the steel along the bore. So the barrel gets hot; it wants to get a little bit longer. Uh, you know, metals expand when they get hot. This carbon fiber wrap on that barrel is designed to expand at the same rate. So everything lengthens and shortens as a unit. So you're not putting stress between the carbon and the barrel. Uh, you're not, not trying to pull warp the barrel one direction or another. So as that barrel heats and cools, it stays straight, and all your shots are going to the same point of impact, you know, first to last. Um, and that's just one example of, of of a lot of different ways we engineer the fiber wrap to match the specific application uh, for that barrel. Um, so that's so one of the things that you're having lots of engineers like myself and, and our PhDs in Ohio and a couple others, um, you know, we can engineer the composite for this application to match the barrel steel, um, you know, match the barrel and what we want out of it. Well, how much, what's the, what is the wall thickness of the barrels before you put carbon on them? Uh, as thick as it needs to be. <laughs> That's a vague enough answer. So we, we do, we model the internal ballistics of the barrel. So we know the pressure profile uh, okay. for the cartridge that the barrel is intended to be chambered for. Mm-hmm. Um, so the steel is going to be thicker uh, back where the chamber pressure is higher, uh, thinner yep. up towards the muzzle where there's less pressure in the barrel. Okay. Um, and, there's, and it's not an abrupt transition. There's not like this rectangular, you know, chunk that we take out of the barrel. It's a gradual taper down to that kind of liner and then gradual taper back up to the, at the muzzle. Um, and, and all that's done with, you know, an eye for making, you know, keeping the barrel nice and strong. Our, our liners are actually strong enough that we could, you could fire a shot without the carbon fiber wrapping on there and, mm-hmm. and nothing bad's going to happen. You're not going to come apart catastrophically or anything like that. Right. So when we wrap that carbon fiber on the barrel, 
all it does is further increase the strength and increase the stiffness of the of the barrel. What sort of gains, uh, numbers wise or percentage wise, are you getting in stiffness of the barrel, uh, like from just like I say, a, a normal taper as opposed to a you know a one that's that's a proof with a with a carbon on it? Uh, short answer is carbon. If, if they're, they're done right, the carbon fiber barrel can give you the best of both worlds. It's it's as light as a really thin pencil profile barrel. Um, but as but it performs like a you know really heavy stiff bull barrel. Okay. So it's it's um, you know when you when you're comparing a barrel to a barrel of equal weight, definitely the carbon fiber barrel is significantly stiffer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of depends on the barrel and the wrap, but uh, you know significantly stiffer. And, and we also change the um, kind of the dynamics of the barrel as well. You know, it's less you know whippy uh, than a equivalent steel barrel um okay so you're kind of you're anyway so <laughs> kind of getting off on a tangent but okay but yeah definitely it definitely is quite a bit stiffer uh, putting the carbon fiber back on it okay well and there's really there really is kind of a method to our madness you know there's a reason why like ben has said you know there's there's very much a reason why we do do it how we do you know mm-hmm. and there there are like there's plenty of carbon barrels out there and you know other things like that but um we just you know what kind of sets us apart i think is just kind of how we do it and the science behind it um you know there's even barrels out there that it's more for aesthetic you know or or, you know it's basically a sleeve over a steel barrel it's a carbon barrel it's a steel barrel disguised as as a carbon barrel you know um, whereas ours, you know, we really try and kind of separate ourselves just with the engineering and the time that yeah. has gone into it. Uh, carbon barrels are kind of a tricky thing. I mean, it's it's it's, it's tricky to make a barrel that shoots very accurately to start with, and you add the, the complexity of the uh, you know the carbon wrap on top of that. Now you've got more things that you have to control to, to you know to make a good barrel. Um, so we we build on uh, you know we. We build our barrels from the absolute, you know, best cut rifle blanks uh, that's available, and, and I know that because we actually make that all in house. We start with a, um, you know, twelve foot long round bar of steel. Um, we do all the rifling in house. Like mentioned, it's all single point cut rifling, which you know is, is known within the industry to be um, can be very precise and mm-hmm. accurate and uniform in terms of rifling. Mm-hmm. Um, everything is is lead lapped after rifling to uniform the surface uh, and you know uh, the surface finish and get the dimensions of the barrel completely uniform from one end to the other mm-hmm. um, so we whether we're making a steel barrel or a carbon barrel we we make an absolute you know one of the absolute best uh, rifle blanks uh, that like so that's available and then if we're making a carbon barrel we just take a little bit more material off that barrel we would with the steel barrel and then build that back up with this uh, proprietary carbon fiber wrap process that we have all right. Well, let, let me let me ask you a question. Um, so, out here at Rifles Only, whenever we're uh, doing a class for for law enforcement, um, a long time ago, I started making them shoot their rifles resting on a wire. That's kind of simulate like I have no other position that I can get into. I cannot deploy my bipod. The only thing I can do is rest the barrel on on a wire, like to simulate a chain link fence or a normal fence, you know, anything like that. And so the reason that we do this 
is because whenever you do this, you you always hit high because you're actually bending the barrel. You know, people say, oh, it has to do with barrel harmonics, but I don't really think that. I mean, it's like you're bending the barrel because you're resting the weight of the rifle, you know, on the barrel. And, you know, yep. we've, we've done that, you know, for, I even did it in a competition one time. You should have seen all the heads explode. So, but the reason we do it is because it's consistent. You know, the, the guns will shoot, you know, dogs and cats don't start living together or anything like that. The world doesn't come to an end, uh, which is kind of hard for people to wrap their mind around because we spend so much money on making sure that we have total free floated barrels and nothing affects it. And, and for good reason, but you know, there's one of those things, there's one of those things that, you know, you might be in you know, a position one time to where that is the only shot you have. And for some people, you know, that are, that are carrying rifles for a living, you know, that's just unacceptable. They have to get into the fight. And so there's just no way to, they, they need to make this shot. And if they've done it here in training and it's in their logbook, they know what to expect. And so what you're, what I'm kind of getting from you guys is that the deflection that we're getting and the deflection, it depends on where you rest on the, on the wire. If you are resting out towards the end, there's more deflection. If you're resting up close to the forearm, there's less. But if you're with these carbon barrels, I haven't tried it yet with one of y'all's barrels, but I'm wondering, should I expect to see a significant reduction just due to barrel stiffness? Uh, yeah, that's, that's sort of, again, I'm an engineer, so there's always a, a but or a caveat. But sure. um, So I'd say yes. So for, for a, a barrel, you know, a relatively lightweight barrel, uh, something you want to carry around, especially for like a duty gun or something like that, uh, the carbon fiber is going to give you a stiffer barrel uh, for the weight. Right. Uh, is, is it going to be as stiff as, you know, an inch and a quarter truck axle, you know, like some of the guys in CRS are shooting? Right. No, maybe not. But right. it's definitely, diff- you know, it's, it's more performance per pound than, uh, than any steel barrel out there. Okay. All right. Well, I, like I said, I was, I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try that out, you know, just cause I'll have, I'll have a way to compare that. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this on the carbon fiber itself. Um, can you, is carbon fiber all that black matte gray type color or are there other colors? It is carbon is going to be black. It's always going <laughs> to be black. black. So, it's always going to be yep, black. Absolutely. Okay. Um, <laughs> the, now, so the, so the composite that's on the barrel is, it's, it's mostly carbon fiber. It's, you know, you know, 95-ish percent or even a little bit more mm-hmm. uh, carbon fiber. And the rest is a resin. So you have to have something that adheres all that carbon to itself and also to the barrel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can think of that resin, at least, uh, let's, you know, for most of the barrels they make, it's, it's, it's kind of like an epoxy. Again, the, right. the constituent parts are very carefully selected for this application, but it's like a, basically a two-part epoxy, for, for lack of a better analogy. Right. So... Uh, you mix it together and it has a, you know, it's a, got a kind of a clear look to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that can be, you can dye that. We've kind of played around with that. The results aren't, you know, super awesome. Yep. <laughs> so it's not something where, where it offers a product, but right. uh, you can get some color from, from the, uh, the resin itself. Right. Right. Uh, but mostly it's going to look black and that's due to the carbon. Yeah. Well, the, the barrels are beautiful the way they are. I, I love that, that uh, pattern that it makes. So, and so you, you're talking about these resins <clears throat> and I was, I was speaking with uh I was speaking with a gentleman the other day from uh, Manners Composite Stocks, and you know they do some they do some of those stocks, and we were talking about cure times. So after you wrap this up, I mean, I, I looked at the video. It looks like it's dripping in this resin as these barrels are spinning and these wires are are being put on. And, and so once that's done, how long does it take before that barrel is completely cured? So the resin we use um, it, it cures very slowly at room temperature. Okay. Um, so we we wind that, you know, as you notice, it, it, the fiber is very wet when we wind it on, but mm-hmm. it's under tension, so any excess resin gets squeezed out. Right. 
So the, the, the fraction, like I so said, the percentage of carbon that's left in the barrel is high because we're squeezing all that excess resin out and it's dripping off the barrel. Um, but we actually wrap the barrels a little bit larger than we intend the final diameter to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically that gives us, uh, and then we wrap an additional layer on the outside of that, which is meant to just kind of hold everything in place until that resin cures. Mm-hmm. Um, so then to cure the resin, the barrels get, you know, moved from our winder into a cure oven where they spend several hours at elevated temperature, um, right. several elevated temperatures to cure that resin uh, completely out. So it, all the, all the polymer, you know, polymer chains in that resin kind of link together and get all tangled up and, and it solidifies that resin. Right. Well, that was one so of my that, questions for the, for the manners guy is, is this, is this temperature dependent? And they said, oh yeah. And you're, you're saying the exact same yep. thing with the resins you're Absolutely. using. Absolutely. Yeah. It, to, to get a little off of the technical deeds, it has to do with weeds. It has to do with the cure connects of the, of the resin. <laughs> so it actually goes up to, you know, a certain temperature and a weight, you know, hang out there for a while and it'll go up to another higher temperature and hang out there for a while because there's different things that happen with the resin at different temperatures. Okay. Um, and that's where the expertise of these guys, uh, for uh, you know, PhDs over in Dayton, they we actually have the you know uh, reactors we can make their own resins. They have all the uh, lab equipment to uh, analyze the you know the results and look at all these cure kinetics and things like that uh, and figure that out. So, um, but but anyway, so we ha- we have a you know a computer controlled oven that does all that for us and cures the resins out, mm-hmm. and then we come in and because it's oversized a little bit, we come in and grind the barrel down to size, mm-hmm. uh, you know, get to that final diameter uh, that we want. So when you look at a barrel, it, it almost looks like, um, it's kind of like a wood product where you see all the rings in the, in, and figure in the wood. There's right. know, similar kind of figure to the carbon fiber or, you know, because we're cutting through the fibers and the layers and everything like that. And that's what you see on the outside of the barrel. Okay. And what do y'all just go up and like turn it down in a regular lathe? Uh, regular lathe, but very specialized tooling. So okay. it's, uh, it's, like, it's an abrasive machining process, like okay. grinding things and that sort of thing. Okay. Because uh, the carbon fiber is incredibly strong and tough. Right. Uh, so you can't just cut it with, a, you know, like you would a metal. Right. I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, what, let's say let's say you're sitting there and you've got your 12-foot piece of, you know, barrel steel. What is What is the time from you pick that thing up and you put it in the first machine until the time you ship out a completed blank? So let's see. So the, the total time in the machine for the uh, for a barrel is I'm going to say it's a couple of hours, two to three hours, and that's actually the part being processed in the machine. Okay. Um, but you know, as but we can't always we can't we're not moving parts from machine to machine to machine. So usually it takes about a week or two in whip uh, through the shop to get all the processes complete. Okay. Um, but but that's one of the things. So just kind of going through, you know, we start with that bar to get cut the length. Uh, we put it in the lathe and face the end. Uh, then it gets gun drilled. Then we ream it. Then we lap it. Then we rifle it. Then we lap it again. Uh, then we contour it. Then we wrap it. Cure the wrap. Grind it. Um, polish it. Then it goes. And if it's a finished barrel, we'll go to chamber, crown, uh, and then you know final QC. So there's a heck of a lot of steps to make a barrel. Uh, so that's when you add up uh, you know the time it takes and the effort that goes into that. Um, you know there's People kind of look at carbon fiber barrels and they, they often box the cost like, wow, that's a lot of money for a barrel. But you look at the effort that goes into making that product, it, there's, we're not, there's a lot there's, of man hours. There's a lot of man hours of machine time that go into, into making that. Right. Um, and, and we, and 
we we have a philosophy around here of continuous improvement. So we're always trying to you know make things better and do better. That includes how we design the product and how we make the product. Um, at many many steps along the uh, one of the things you get with our barrels too is that we're uh, doing quality control checks throughout the entire process of the mm-hmm. barrel. Any operator can you know, flag an issue. Um, hey, this doesn't look quite right. I don't know if this meets our spec or not. It needs a second look. Um, they can flag that material and we can review that to make sure that we're not passing, you know, bad product down the line, which is going to compound, uh, you know, errors compound and you result in, a, in an unacceptable product. So we, we're checking things and double checking things throughout the entire process to make sure that when that barrel is done, that everything is 100%, um, you know, the best we know how to make it. Very, very good. Very good. Well, how many guys y'all got working there? So, um, probably between, um, between here in Montana and also Ohio, you know, we're probably hover around a hundred. Okay. Um, and yeah, um, you know, we kind of continue to grow. Yep. Um, but, um, yeah, I think right now, uh, uh, that's probably my best guess is probably right around the hundred. But we, but also part of this, you know, continuous improvement process leads to increases in efficiency. So we're able to, you know, uh, crank out tens of thousands, you know, barrels every year uh, Mm -hmm. with the way out because we have such an efficient uh, manufacturing process at this point. Okay. And y'all are doing completed guns now? Yes, we are. Uh, As Nate mentioned, we we brought these several different companies together to create proof research. The, the, The intention was you know, for us to be a rifle company. And we've, we've always made um, kind of high-end, uh, you know, custom rifles. Um, we've since kind of diversified. We kind of have a, a little more price-conscious rifle or elevation line um, that gets all, all, nearly all the, the accuracy and lightweight benefits you have with our high-end line, but at, at a little bit cheaper cost. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that's, and that's becoming a uh, – the barrel, the barrel thing kind of took off, you know, Five or six years ago, we've been focused on that, really growing that side of the business. But our, our rifles have kind of always been along there, uh, along with it. And we're and that product line is now in the last year or two uh, started to take off for us as well. So we've right. probably doubled in the double get on rifle production over the last uh, two years, two or three years. That's mm-hmm. good. That's good. I love capitalism. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fantastic. And uh, so tell me about the tell me about the rifles themselves, the completed guns. I mean, what what do y'all what do y'all basically what are y'all building? Who are you building it for? Uh, is it, is it hunters? Is it a, a tactical or a competition? Just tell me about that. Yeah. Um, you know, we kind of cater to, um, just depending on the rifle model. I mean, we cater kind of across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at our root where we've done, um, we've done tactical rifles for a while, you know, um, we've had, um, you know, basically, um, we've had, you know, like our tactical models that have the wider forend and adjustable cheek piece, you know, mm-hmm. um, still lightweight. So almost, you know, everything we make is pretty much going to utilize, is going to utilize basically a carbon fiber or composite stock. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we, we make those here in house. Um, and so we have, you know, tactical style line but then you know we also do you know definitely cater to the hunting audience you know mm-hmm. um we're able to make some really lightweight rifles um you know like ben said kind of a different price point um but we also have 
um, in that elevation line, uh, we have our elevation MTR and our MTR is almost kind of a hybrid. Mm -hmm. Um, It kind of, you know, works a little bit as um, kind of a tactical range style rifle, but also just with that reduced weight, there's plenty of guys out there hunting with it. Yeah, absolutely. um, All of our rifles can flex into different roles. I mean, most most of them, as Nate mentioned, that lightweight, you know, hand hunting type of rifle. Mm -hmm. Um, MTR is just kind of a crossover of the vertical, um, more vertical grip, nice high comb on the stock for you know, larger scopes and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we also do, we're, we're really, really big into supporting the, you know, precision long range shooting crowd as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Everybody knows the spark carbon fiber barrels. We sell a heck of a lot of heavier steel barrels for, for that kind of precision rifle market. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've also had, so one of the rifles that we offer now is, a, uh, it's basically a no holds barred, you know, step into the NRL PRS style competition. Um, so it's a, MBT ACC chassis, you know, our, our stainless, you know, high quality stainless barrel on it. Um, you know, and we partner with a lot of other companies in the, in the industry, um, for other, the other parts of the rifle, like I mentioned, the MBT ACC chassis, uh, mm-hmm. we use actions from Defiance, uh, Zermont Arms and Lone Peak Arms. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so they're, they're private label for fruit and they have a couple little changes and modifications here, there, here and there based on our needs, um, and what our customers want, but, but they're good. They're high quality actions. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the same throughout the the, the rifle. We, if we can find a really high quality part, uh, we'll we'll get that and put it in our rifles, and we'll focus on on making the absolute best barrels on the planet and the lightest, strongest stocks uh, as well, and putting all that together in a in a in a really nice rifle package. Okay, mm-hmm. and like uh, a customer can, are y'all doing them in standard calibers, or can customers request? Uh, we we kind of standardized, but we have a heck of a lot of standards. Okay. So there's, yeah. Okay. Uh, we've got a really good rifle builder on our website that that has our uh, all our various models with all the different paint schemes and caliber options. Mm-hmm. Um, if if none of those quite fit what you're looking for, um, some of our, uh, our our stocking dealers can custom order stuff as well. Uh, uh, one of the, one of the names that's off the top of my head is Evolve Ballistics out of Texas. Mm-hmm. They actually order their own kind of configurations that, that their customers are looking for and, and they're interested in selling. So uh, we, have, we have quite a variety of, of options for, for everybody out there. Okay. Um, and because we're a smaller company, we can be pretty, pretty quick to react to what's going on in the market and right. changing needs. Uh, you know, so so big one that Hornady announced just this last week was the 7PRC rifle, uh, mm-hmm. our 7PRC cartridge. Mm-hmm. We already have uh, rifles and barrels out there in distributors with our dealers. Um, you know, they have those products already out there and ready to go for people. Right. Um, so it, like, let's say I was going to, I went to one of your stocking dealers or one of your dealers and I said, you know, I want, I want this proof rifle and I want it. It's a hunting rifle and I want it in 300 wind mag and I want it to be as light as possible. When that thing comes out of the box, how much does it weigh? Well, um, you know, our lightest platform that we make, like if you're going to hunting rifle, basically like, lightest your ultimate sheep hunter backcountry rifle is going to be our glacier titanium mm-hmm. um you know other other factors are going to come into play barrel length some of that um but you know you're going to be pretty much sub six pounds oh wow oh nice nice mm-hmm. well our yep. um our i i want to i want to recommend that you know anybody that wants to see this line to go to the website what what is y'all's website uh it's just www.proofresearch.com nice 
Nice. That's very good. That's very good, man. This is, this is a, this has been an amazing time with you guys. I, I really feel like that we, we covered a lot of ground. Y'all, y'all were pretty succinct (laughs) in your answers. (laughs) I had a, I had some things I wanted to ask you. Some of them were serious and some of them weren't, but uh, I, I kind of, man, I, I am amazed. I am amazed what, what goes into, you know, doing these barrels and stuff like that. And like I said, I've, I've seen them come through here quite a bit. I've just ordered my first mm-hmm. one and uh, it's I've taken delivery of the 22 Creedmoor. I figure the, the fun will probably last for maybe 1100 rounds at, you know, 3,400 feet per second, but I guess I'll probably, <laughs> yeah. 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 But you know, the thing about it is it, I've just, I got this, I got this thing about shooting prairie dogs. So I can't wait to, to, uh, <laughs> to put, yep, to put yep. that barrel to use, to put that barrel to use. Uh, it's going to be great. Mine, mine pushes uh, 80 green bullets at around 3,500. Oh, nice, 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 <laughs> nice. And y'all, y'all have some prairie dogs up there in that area, don't you? Uh, not so much here. We're up in we're up in the mountains here, but there's a lot, a lot of prairie. Yeah, just over the ridge. I, I'm a fan, also. I'm a prairie dog fan. Like I, I we usually drive um, since we're in Northwest Montana. I mean, we're covered in thick wilderness and right. that. So a lot of times, like we'll go over central montana some of those places you know mm-hmm. i mean i can do a two and a half hour three hour drive and be over in pretty good prairie dog country yep yeah i tell you that i feel like you know i was i was prairie dogging for a long time and i kind of feel like i learned so much about shooting just from being out there shooting prairie dogs because it's a you know it's a, a, a coke can sized target you know from muzzle oh, yeah. contact <laughs> to 1100 yards and it was yep. so, and the wind is always blowing. oh the, yeah the wind the wind is always blowing exactly <laughs> right yeah yeah, the we had gone. Uh, it was it was an interesting story. Uh, my wife's parents were living in uh, in South Dakota, and so we were going to go up. This is my first time to to do this, and so to shoot prairie dogs. You know, I've been shooting before that, but I was telling her on, on the whole drive up there, twenty three hours. Said, you know, we're going to get up there, and I'm going to I'm going to shoot prairie dogs. You know, they found somebody to take me out and show me where to go and everything else. And she just, man, she gave me a hard time on the entire drive up there. So, you know, what are you going to do with them? You're going to leave them there. Well, you don't eat them? Said, no, you don't eat them. They're rats. No, you're just going to leave them. You're just going to shoot them? Yeah, just going to shoot them. Get rid of them. They they don't need to be there. And so, anyway, went out the first day, figured it all out, came back, and I literally begged her. I begged her to go with me the next day. And she did. And so we went out there and got set up. She was on the spotting scope. And I was shooting, a believe it or not, an SR-25 and 308. And, uh... <clears throat> got set up on the first prairie dog. She was watching the spotting scope and, and I popped that prairie dog and she says, let me on the gun. I never fired another round the rest of the day. She went through in a case of ammo <laughs> with it. So yeah, it's a, it is a blast and you learn so much about shooting. So that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. So where do you see, where do you see, what do y'all have anything, any projects up on the horizon? Uh, where do you see proof heading in the future? Are, are y'all going to try to branch out and do other stuff? It seems like y'all have so many irons in the fire right now with, you know, the, yeah. the racing, the aerospace, the t- complete guns, the barrels, the steel barrels. It seems like y'all are pretty yep. busy as it is. Do y'all have anything on the drawing we, board that we could look forward to? We always have some things in the work. Um, and that goes, I mean, on our side here on the rifle and barrel side of things here in Montana. And then, um, the Ohio office, they always have things, um, yep. you know, we, um, a lot, one thing that we didn't touch on, you know, um, is, you know, what are a lot of the advancements that our Ohio office, you know, is doing everything, the, the technology and the things that they're developing over there, everything is so scalable. Um, you know, so what they're able to do over there it translates right over to basically rifles and stocks and things that we're making here in house. Um, 
you know, and with that technology being scalable, like, um, you know, we have, we're the only carbon fiber barrel in use by the U S military. Um, and so, you know, we've had, you know, kind of some R and D projects and some development going on there. Um, you know, kind of on the barrel side of things. Um, and we have several ongoing projects, um, doing some looking at medium cal, uh, and medium cal is like everything half inch and bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, so we actually have a couple of projects that get a, a 30 millimeter and a 50 millimeter and like a 28 and 20 millimeter. Mm-hmm. Um, so big stuff like ordinance type of stuff. Yeah. And so we're, we're doing a lot of, kind of future capability development work with the U.S. Army right now um, and putting a lot of effort in there, but we're continuing to learn about um, how to make composite barrels better, basically. Right. And so now we're, we've are we been doing this for a couple of years now with them, and so a lot of these lessons learned kind of things are, are now trickling down into our, our commercial products as well. So, right. you know, our, our you know, somebody goes out and buys a, a proof rifle or barrel, you know, they're getting the benefit of, of some of that, you know, advanced advanced technology work we're, we're doing on, on that front as well um, but we always have we always have a ton of stuff going um, we've got uh, a couple new rifle models coming out uh, we like i mentioned our, our rifle lines have kind of taken off on us in the last few years uh, you know we're, we're furiously catching up on on orders and stuff on that end of things mm-hmm. um, so the plan is to start um, you know reintroduce our our stocks as well so we can, uh, somebody could buy a complete rifle they could buy a uh, a barrel they could buy a stock from us um, and kind of have it any which way they where they want. Um, another another big product line that we do we do a lot of prefit barrels, so not just a barrel that a gunsmith can build into a gun, but one that's ready to install into your you know somebody's rifle basic hand tool, mm-hmm. whether that's a Savage or a Ruger Precision Rifle or AR style rifle or uh, you know there's lots of custom Remington 700 actions out there, and most of those guys are holding tight enough headspace and tolerances right. uh, now that we can. Make a barrel that you can purchase and literally install in your garage, and, and either swap a barrel, swap cal- caliber, or you know build your own custom rifle from scratch, you know right there at your house. So uh, that's that's been a huge part of the kind of the barrel market in the last uh, four or five years. Right. And we try to stay on the leading edge of that, and giving guys lots of options. So yeah, I've got yeah. I've got quite a bit of experience on changing barrels. <laughs> I have uh, mm-hmm. yeah. I have one gun that I just screwed barrel number twenty seven on it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah, a lot of these. There's there's a lot of actions out there where you're just getting you're just getting action good and broken in with you know four or five thousand rounds down the, down yeah. the tube. So that gun that guns that guns over over two hundred and sixty thousand rounds through the receiver. So <laughs> so yeah, it's it's yeah. I got my money's worth on that one. Yes, you did. Yeah, I, very good, very good. Yeah, so it's interesting that you say you're you know working on the on the larger stuff because one of my classes down here. You know, sometimes it'll come up and I'll tell the students, you know, I said, you know, we, we think, we, you know, we think we're pretty cool, you know, shooting 308s and 6.5s and 6 millimeters and 300 wind mag. So, but you don't really have a rifle until it requires a forklift to put in the magazine. Then you've got a rifle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That's cool. No, that, that that's great that y'all are able to do that. I know that there was a, a question that had come in. We have a, we have an email that's associated with this, with this uh, podcast. And so, you know, it'd come in before, you know, that the guy had the same thing, you know, if he had the defiance action, you know, would he be able to, you know, screw the barrel into it and, you know, what he would need to do that. Um, And the, one of the things that I've done with a lot of the, the barrels that, I mean, over the years, 
you know, going through barrels, I have barrels that have pipe wrench marks on them, you know, and so I started getting, you know, the whoever's cutting my barrel to put crescent wrench flats on it. And so, that's, you know, if I'm not, if I'm not the, my new accuracy international, it has, of course, it's just a, it's got a little side screw that locks it in and it's hand tight. But before that, the one that had 27 barrels on, you know, I always change that with, um, you know, a crescent wrench and a, and a hammer, you know, and it's kind of like the, I, I put a video up on that one time. And if you want to look and don't, I mean, the video is funny, but the funniest part is all the comments. If you, if you feel like going for a ride down humor lane. <laughs> They were saying, oh, yep. you're going to you're going to mess up your headspace and, and timing. And I said, well, it's not it's not a 50, you know, it's not a, an M2. And I said, uh, and then, yeah. you know, the other headspace things, you know, if you have most of the time you're you're screwing those barrels, you know, up against a shoulder like that. And, you know, the my experience and I could be wrong and y'all are y'all are probably smart enough to tell me if I'm wrong. But, you know, the it doesn't whenever you do that with those long shanks, it doesn't really know the difference between 70 foot pounds and 110 foot pounds, you know, that, that it's tightened on, you know, and it's like, no, you, you could go from like 30 to 120 yeah, foot pounds. And right. You might think that space a thousand. Right. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. And, that, and in the grand scheme of things, that, that's not enough to really, really matter. No, I mean that, that coarse thread pattern, you know, that long and then going up against a shoulder, it's going to get, it's mm-hmm. going to get so tight and that's about it. You know, it's not, I mean, yep. it's not, there's, you're not going to be able to go over there and, and move metal with normal parts and no blowtorch. You know what I mean? And so yep. I yep. caught a lot of slack on that. So, Oh, you don't know. Yeah, I'm sure. Happened. I'm sure the, the trolls came out of the Oh yeah, around. they did. And it was, it was great. It was really great. It was, it was yeah, a lot of fun. I mean, every, if I, <laughs> if I start to feel just a little bit depressed cause I haven't been hunting in a while, I'll go read the comments again. Cause I'll always bust up laughing with it. It's like, Oh God, come yeah. on. <laughs> People don't realize how tough these these uh, you know the, these guns are these days. I mean, it, it's just amazing. Yeah. I mean, things have things have changed over the years. You know, where, like you say now, you know, they can call and basically order a, a precision rifle kit from Proof Research. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. like, yeah, you you just well, I, I kind of built this gun. Well, no, they did, but you know, they built it to where you know you could put it together like Legos, so it works out. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, the qual- the quality of stuff gotten so much better. Yes, know? sir everything it repeats to go to the same spot you know you, you change things out and you know you're not affecting accuracy right you know you don't you don't have to like you know with the woodstock running to 700 you don't have to you know wait till the third moon of jupiter's ascending and the waiting crescent moon or something then and your screw torque's just right to get it to shoot well right um you get quality parts and everything put together properly then it just just works yeah yeah um, it is it, it, it really like does. barrel torque and, and action screw torque and stuff and like as long as it's tight enough then it's fine you yeah know, it's not a there's a lot of black art to it anymore mm-hmm. yeah well i'm, I'm really, gone or kind, go ahead sorry go ahead no i'm i'm oh, really gonna say, per- like kind of <laughs> <laughs> okay I, i'm i'm stopping you're going <laughs> okay <laughs> no i was just gonna say like yeah kind of kind of gone are the days too of of you know factory not a factory rifle but like you know, rifles have gotten just to the point where it's like, you know, you're able to do so much for it. There are so many aftermarket components. You know, a guy can go out and buy a factory Tika and if he wants to run that for a while. Awesome. Down the road, he wants to do, you know, some swap with some different components, put a proof barrel on it, aftermarket stock. You know, I don't know. the. It's kind of cool where we are in the industry right now. Oh, I agree. Um, you know, with how things how things have you know kind of grown and updated that, and just the flat out just the performance of rifles. Agreed. Agreed. You know that the the um you know the old old school uh, Remington seven hundred police sniper special the PSS you know it had the HS precision mm-hmm. you know uh, fiberglass stock with the aluminum bedding block in it. 
I mean, you know, I, I still have one. I took it out and I shot it the other day and I said, this is the most uncomfortable gun that I have ever shot in my life. I mean, where's my adjustable cheek piece? Where's my, you know, my vertical hand grip, you know, where's all these, these creature comforts, you know, and the, the thing, those guns, those guns shoot really well. It's just now yep. with, you know, with the, with the stocks and y'all are talking about MDT. I mean, another, another great company, you know, manners, uh, XLR, you know, you can get all of these stocks out there that, I mean, you can really fit them. You can fit them to you very, very well. And that's, that's one of the things that people don't, you know, take enough time to do because a, a rifle that fits you is, is you're going to shoot better. There's no question about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, guys, we're about at that point. Uh, again, I, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate, you know, you, uh, you taking the time with me and, um, uh, I know that we'll probably get some questions and so I'll call you back whenever the questions come in and I can answer them on a, on a, a future podcast. That's typically the way things are going these days. So if you don't mind, I might have to bend your ear again. Yeah, no, yeah. that's fine. No problem. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. Man. Appreciate it. Very good. Very good. Well, hang on. I'm going to get some outro music. Hang on and hang on with me and we'll just wrap a little, a little bit privately and wrap this thing up. All yeah, right. You bet. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Remember, R-O-A-P at RiflesOnly.com, Rifles Only Accuracy Podcast. Any questions, uh, podcast ideas, anything, send them my way. We'd love to hear from you. 